0: This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey entrepreneurs, my name is Felix and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In this episode, you'll learn from a designer that turned down a $150,000 salary to start her own independent brand. In this episode, you'll learn how to plan out and manage a subscription box product Why you should get a large order of samples when you're working with manufacturers rather than just a few samples And how she was able to build a 20,000 plus loyal fan base using YouTube Today I'm joined by Marion Smith from MarionSmithDesigns.com Marion is a well-known designer in the paper crafts industry And she began her career designing best-selling products for some of the largest scrapbook companies in the industry And now has branched off into several other industries including paints, office supplies, stationery planners, and craft tools uh, uh, Marion has been been a designer for a long time, but uh, just started her independent brand called Marion Smith Designs in 2013, and it's based out of Modesto, California. Welcome, Marion.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Cool. So tell us a little bit more about uh, your brand and what are some of the most popular products that you sell?
1: Well, we started out with just manufacturing craft products and mostly scrapbooking products or scrapbook-related products. And this year, or actually last year, we started to dive into stationery and planners, and that has really taken off and grown our business significantly. Um, so we're kind of doing a little bit of everything that has to do with paper or pretty paper. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, your website looks awesome. It looks um, very, uh, the, the theme and all the pictures and everything look amazing. Definitely recommend anybody listening out there is interested in this kind of thing to check it out. Um, so Thank what was you so much. Yeah, what was your background? Like, how did you get into, how did you become a designer?
1: Well, it's kind of funny. I actually fell into it. So I never thought that I was going to become a graphic designer or or a name brand designer. I was just a scrapbooker starting out. I was in sales and marketing for a big internet company, and I was kind of scrapbooking on the side. And I was looking for some YouTube videos to learn new things, and there weren't any out there. So I decided I'm just going to do my own YouTube videos. So I started doing YouTube videos, and that really sort of set my career in motion and I became popular on YouTube. And then companies started approaching me wanting to work with me um, and market to market their products and stuff like that. And um, I eventually got a deal with one of the largest graphic manufacturers in our industry at that time. I kind of already had a little bit of experience with graphic design. I was just dabbing into it for fun. And it I just started designing a product line. <laughs> so I kind of fell into it and I fell in love with it. And I just haven't gotten sick of it since. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome because I know there's really, I think, two kind of entrepreneurs out there. They're the ones that purposefully set out to build a business and the other ones that just kind of follow what they're interested in, follow what they're passionate in, and then kind of fall into it like like the way that you're describing it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was always kind of business-minded. Um, early on, my dad kind of told me, He I guess he's kind of responsible for this too because he kind of told me, you know, if you're going to get a job... Um, get a job, but if you're going to start your own business, you should, you need to start a business that doing something that you love because then it's not going to be like you're working mm-hmm. your tail off for the rest of your life so it's very much been that way for me
0: for sure, yeah, so you started you were already working a day job and decided to start uh your own YouTube channel because you weren't finding uh, the similar kind of content that you were looking for out there. Was that the kind of i guess genesis for the youtube channel
1: yeah, I kind of um I just really, I just wanted to see what would happen if I Mm -hmm. did this one, this first YouTube video. And the first YouTube video was ridiculous. There wasn't even any sound. It was just like a a music, (laughs) music playing. So I wasn't even talking or explaining anything. And I don't know, it caught fire for some reason
0: yeah it's funny whenever we whenever anyone out there is creating content whether it be videos or podcasts in my case I never want to go back and look at my beginning works because I think it's really important just to get started right don't think about how can I make this thing perfect the first time around just get started and over time you get better at creating the content so when you started the your YouTube channel how did, were you able to just You know, because right now I'm looking at your uh, your stats and you have 22,000 um, subscribers which is a ton of subscribers for a YouTube channel how did you um I guess, grow that following?
1: Um, I think it was just kind of organic. I did the first video and it's really funny cause I sat there and I watched it all day cause I was like, is anyone going to watch this video? <laughs> I think I was just really good at titling the videos and, um, people started sharing and telling other people about it. And I was really lucky to get into YouTube at that time. Like I said earlier, because no one else was really doing that on YouTube just yet. Like scrapbooking hadn't taken off on YouTube. Which year was this? Um, oh my gosh, I think it was in 2008. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think I just got lucky. The timing was really lucky because I think during that time was when YouTube really started to catch fire and people were going to YouTube um, to learn things. And, you know, like I said, no one else was really doing what I was doing for scrapbooking at that time. So, you know, I was the go to person for a while there in the very beginning.
0: Gotcha. Cool. So I want to revisit the, your YouTube, you know, strategy in, in a bit, uh, but before we get there, I want to talk a little bit more about your um, your, your business that you were building. So you are already working with a lot of uh, big brands. You're already uh, a designer. When did you decide to focus on this full time and shift away from your sales and marketing job?
1: Well, um, we, my husband and I, were at a sort of a pivotal point in our life where he was slaving because he was working at a distribution center Mm -hmm. and he was working really hard i mean i think he was working graveyard at that time so i never got to see him he'd come home and he'd sleep all day and when he woke up we'd have dinner and he'd go back to work and um i wasn't i was barely making anything as a designer my royalty percentage was really low probably the lowest in our industry i would say um and I had this really big following, this really great following, very loyal following. And one day I just thought, you know, I need to do something else because Garrett can't keep working graveyard. (laughs) It's not Mm -hmm. helping our marriage any. And um, I'm not making any money what I'm doing now. And at that time, I was being approached by several other big companies to do marketing and things like that for them. They just wanted to really use my blog and use my YouTube channel, basically. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I need to do something else. And that was um, sort of the time when I was like, I think my brand is worth more than I thought it was. And I need to really do something to step it up and start to generate an income.
0: So this was when you were um, decided to start working with the bigger brands or was this when you decided to start your independent brand, Marion Smith Designs?
1: This was sort of, well, it was in between um, brand, co-brands. So I had left the first company that I had ever designed for. I was with them for a few years. I had left that company and um, was about to get, to start designing for a new company. And at that time, I had seen some trans, some traction. We, had, we were getting a ton of site views and stuff like that. Um, we had a small e-commerce site for digital products, and I was making a really good amount of money digi- on my digital products. And, um, really I started making more money than my husband was making at his job. And I wanted him to quit his job cause he was working graveyard all the time. And he said, well, when you make four times what I make, then you can quit your job. And so I was like, Hmm, how can I make this happen? <laughs> so I must've pushed out so many digitals that month and, uh, I was able to make four times what he was making. And so I came to him again and I said, okay, can you quit your job now and help me with my business? And he said, well, let's see if this is, like, something that's that you can sustain. Let's wait four months and see if you can consistently make more than me or make four times as much as me for four months straight. And so um, I did that, and I actually doubled it. So I was making eight times what he was making um, by the end of that time. And it was just a lot of marketing, YouTube videos, stuff like that. And uh, – He, I think it was in the third month, um, he looked at my stats online and he was like, okay, I'm quitting my job. And he literally, without any thought, got on the phone and called his boss and said, I quit.
0: Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) First of all, that's amazing how many times you've proved him, (laughs) stood up to the challenge hand and proved uh, proved yourself right. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So I didn't know that you actually started off selling digital products at first. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what are these digital products?
1: They were printables, um, so it was like patterned scrap of paper or mini albums is a big thing where you kind of make your own mini album out of paper, and what you do is you print it out, and there's instructions on the YouTube video that I provided, and it shows them how to put this together, so they print it at home, they get it right then and there, and they were able to make mini albums um, out of my printables.
0: So how did you know that this was a, a thing to do? Because this is like my first time hearing about it, but it makes a lot of uh-huh. sense hearing you talk about it. How did you know to, that you could use your brand and promote your own uh, digital products?
1: Well, it's kind of funny. It was around Christmas time, and I wanted to make some paper ornaments for my tree. So I had drawn out this birdhouse template, and I cut it out, and I built this 3D birdhouse ornament. And I just happened to show it on my Ustream channel um one night and everybody was commenting, Oh, can you send me this template? I want this template. Where can I get this template? Um, so I thought, Hey, I think I'm I'm on to something here. So I contacted my web developer and I said, How can I make this a digital product to where they could buy it for like a dollar ninety nine or something and it would automatically email to them. And he, at that time, he was like, Oh, there's no way you could do that. You're going to have to email them individually. So I actually di- emailed him individually for a while. And it really kicked off. Like, we, I think that first, within that first hour, we had sold almost $400 in Birdhouse templates. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to email all these people <laughs> this template. Um, so then eventually, we figured out a way for it to auto email to them and that was that was kind of a struggle in the very beginning there but um, it really kicked off and so I just started making more templates and they were really basic in the very beginning and then all of a sudden I started offering the patterned paper and the mini album templates and all that stuff and it just got better and better um, throughout time so
0: mm-hmm. So when, when was the transition to selling more physical products that you couldn't just print out and you had to you know ship out?
1: Um, well I had signed on with another company and I was designing for them and I was actually designing for my co-brand, which was Marion Smith Designs, and I was also designing all of their products, too, which was a huge undertaking. And that didn't last very long. I think it only lasted about seven months. Um, so, Um And I didn't agree with some of the things that that company wanted to do with my brand. So I left that brand before they had produced my line. And um, I didn't know I was leaving that day when I quit my job that day. I, I woke up that morning thinking I was just going to... I worked from home, uh, thinking that it was just going to be a normal day of work. And um, something happened that morning where... That company wanted to take over my social media accounts and um, s- sort of speak for me in mm-hmm. a way. And I, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I didn't personally agree with that. I felt that if I was going to talk to my following, I would talk to them myself. And so I kind of just quit on a whim. And um, I had the experience... With sourcing and developing products already, because that's what I had been doing all this time. I was just, just doing it for other companies. So by five o'clock that day, um, I actually we got our business license, changed over, or our business change over to an LLC. Um, and then I contacted some of the manufacturers that I knew, and I had our first entire line in production or in beginning stages of production by five o'clock that day and um it was scary
0: <laughs> wow Dad, you you move really fast so i want to make sure i have this timeline correct so you were working a job i guess pre-2008 that was not was not in the design um, i guess industry and then you started working on designing just for yourself create a youtube channel and then these big brands started to approach you to work with them to design their products is this the right, right. timeline so far Yes. Okay, and then you started Marion Smith Designs, and that's when you were only creating your own products.
1: Right. That's okay. when I had to really learn what it was to become a manufacturer, and I had to source our products, and I had to learn all this back-end stuff that I didn't know about. And um, we literally, like, I mean, this happened in a day. We jumped into it in a day. And so we were really, in the first few months, we were really figuring things out as we went along, which is kind of scary, but... um, we were quick. I mean, Garrett and I, we were, we were working really hard, long hours to make it work. And we did really well. So we launched um, our company that day. It was a Monday and um, had our beginning stages of production in at 5 o'clock that day. So all of our stuff was ordered and paid for. I'd used my last check and my um, royalties I had saved up. And by Friday, we were sold out of our entire line of products um, before it was even off of the press.
0: Wow, that's that's amazing. I think this really speaks to why you want to have an audience at first or already before you start building your selling your own products because I'm sure you're able to tap into that audience and really sell everything out basically by promoting it to them.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: So th- when you made this transition When you decided to quit your job This was in the first, I guess, time in your life Where there was no longer like a guaranteed paycheck From a client or from whoever you were working for And now you were the one responsible For producing right. your own paychecks What was that uh, moment like? Because I mean, I guess it only lasted a week for you Before you realized that it was going to work out Because you sold out so quickly yeah. But I'm sure, were there any moments of self-doubt Like maybe I can't do this or
1: um, Yes, there were a lot of tears And panic attacks yeah. <laughs> (laughs) In the first few days, I think that that Monday I was fine, but it was I really did what I did out of desperation because I didn't know where I was going to end up. And I had actually, during that time, I had had a job offer with another company that was trying to steal me from this company. And it was um, I was offered $150,000 a year salary plus royalties. And I turned that down because I was just tired of working under someone. Um, But that Monday, I was fine. I was like, you know, hustling, trying to get things done. But that Tuesday, I think I woke up that morning and I was crying. And um, I went to my husband and I just said, I don't know if what I'm doing is the right thing. And I don't know if I could do this on my own, if my brand is strong enough Mm -hmm. as an independent brand. And he was the one that kind of told me, you don't need anyone else. Like you built this. This is a huge thing that you've built on your own. So why couldn't you become an independent brand? So I was at that point I was lacking the confidence a little bit, and I was kind of second guessing things. Um, But then as the days progressed with Garrett's help, because he was he also had sales experience. And with the support of our retail, the retail stores that had carried my co-brand line before, um, I quickly realized that yeah, I, I, it was silly to ever think that I couldn't do it on my own. And it kind of just fueled my and motivated me to try my best and do as much as I can to make it work. And um, I think it was more of a just being desperate to make it work because I had to pay the mortgage the next the next month. So.
0: Yeah, it's funny how even though you know, hearing you talk about your successes and how you're offered you know, $150,000 salary plus royalties, you still have this kind of imposter syndrome thinking like, am I worthy of having my own brand? Am I going to be able to succeed? Even though people are already willing to give you money to for your skills, you still felt that kind of self-doubt. And I think it just means that this kind of thing Persist for a long time, even though you are successful, even though you have a track record of success. So, do you still run into maybe like self doubt or these confidence issues? And how do you find ways to break through it?
1: Um, I do a little bit, um, not so much with um, how. Uh, this is a tricky one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have lots of confidence in our company now um, because I've learned so much and we've grown so much, and we have we've had you know our growing pains um so but i still feel really confident in our brand but i do have some struggles like sometimes you know if we're coming out when we started to come out with planners and office supply stuff i was really nervous um because they were products that cost us a lot more to produce and we weren't in that industry at all like we didn't even have a following in that industry so at that time which was this was last year, I was super nervous because I didn't know if they were going to be well accepted or how well the line was going to do. And I was investing a lot of money into it. Um, So I think that was the last time that I was really, um, I guess you could say I was lacking in confidence a little bit. But um, I quickly overcame that with the support of my husband and the support of our following. I knew that it was going to be a good thing because our following is so loyal our customers are so loyal and they they pretty much just love everything <laughs> so um that kind of helped me to be a little bit more confident so
0: Right. I I want to talk about this because you said that this was the first time you were offering a product that was not in the industry that you were already kind of entrenched into, like the way that you were with your previous kind of designs. So, how did you? Um, how did you? What was your plan on on promoting this product in in the, this new industry that you were stepping into?
1: Well, our game plan in the beginning when we were going to launch our planners and stuff was that we were going to introduce them to our scrapbook market, which is our our normal customer were scrapbookers and crafters. So I knew that if I was going to launch this planner, that it had to be creative and it had to be customizable um, and just really different looking so that it could appeal to the customers that we already had. Um, And then on top of that, I did a lot of marketing for planners on social media. So I was... Sort of inserting myself into what we call now the planner community, and I was hashtagging planners. I was everything was planners, planners, planners for a very long time, and it's still very much that way. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I tapped into that market, and it was a really easy transition because we were able to. Design our in, our planner inserts with so many colors and pattern papers, which you really didn't see a lot of in the planner industry. So a lot of our scrapbook designs translated into our planners. So it was easy for for our customer base to transition into stationery and office supply stuff and planner stuff because it looked just like our just like mm-hmm. our scrapbooking stuff.
0: Makes sense. So when you did spend a lot of time on social media, you were just producing content that you thought that the people that were interested in planners would be attracted to. Like, what was the I guess, what was the um, the formula, I guess, so that you follow when you went on social media and decided to post things out? Like, what were you, um, how did you approach it?
1: Um, I hashtagged the heck out of every picture. <laughs> <laughs> like every hashtag I could possibly think of that had to do with a planner, I would hashtag. And then I just took a lot, of, a lot of pictures of my planner setup. We also have a design team, so I sent them samples of our products and they were posting as well. And so I was sharing their posts on my social media sites. Um, and you know this community loves to share stuff, mm-hmm. so it was really easy to get the word out because everybody would just share it. Um, so if they saw something they liked, they would share it, and that would just, you know, it would just it was just like widespread. Um, so we were really lucky to have such a good following that was so generous with their their social media sites and sharing and all that good stuff. And um, but we really the method was just we posted a lot <laughs> and we hashtagged a lot. And we were posting everywhere, so on all of our social media sites.
0: Gotcha. That that makes a lot of sense. That if you just put yourself out there enough, people will start paying attention to it. So what, what I want to focus now on is, is, I think, where you seem to have like the biggest advantage. This is something you built yourself, obviously, not something that you just you know stumbled upon. But the loyal following that you have, like you're saying that you know your first round of products sold out within a week, and they're the, even though you introduce a product in a totally different industry, people that were a part of the interest in the other stuff still bought into your planners. So how what what is like the um what's your approach then like what have you done do you you think that you've done correctly to build such a loyal following
1: you know the number one thing that i hear all the time from our followers is that they like that we're just real people Mm -hmm. and so whenever i would do my youtube videos if you look at my youtube videos they're not overly professional i would say that they lack in professionalism quite a bit but that's just who i am so i think um it was just kind of putting myself in front of our audience and letting them get to know me and know who I am as a person because um, I am a mom. I have three kids. And so a lot of our customers can relate to me. Um, So I think that has been a key factor in why our customers are so loyal to us is because they feel like they know us on a personal level. And that's something that you really don't see a lot of in our industry. And um, I think it's, it's a little brave on my part because I have shown sides of myself to, to everyone that I normally, a normal person probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to. But, um, I think that's, that's kind of the key for us. I think that's why our following is so, so loyal and so in tune with us is because they feel like they know us personally.
0: Yeah, I like that approach and I'm a big fan of it as well because I think that uh, I think a lot of times people that come into a new industry or start a business, there is that self-doubt aspect of it and they think that they have to project themselves to be bigger than they actually are. And when you do mm-hmm. that, you kind of end up talking down to your, your following, your customers, your audience. But if you just right. show them that you're at the same level and show them that you're not perfect and show them that, hey, look, I'm opening myself up to you, then there's a lot of built-in trust that comes along with doing something like that. And it's also just less work when you're just open as possible because you don't have to worry about, Oh, should I share this? Should I not share that? Yeah. um, I mean, I'm a big fan of that approach that, that you're, you know, obviously uh, doing as well. Um, yeah. So when you, when you, um, you said that you had experience manufacturing these products. So you already had like a whole thing, a bunch of things that you wanted to design by the time that you quit your job and decided to place that first uh, order of products.
1: Yes, I actually I already had a complete line designed. And when I quit that day, the company that I was with did not sign a license for those designs yet. So when I quit, I told them that I was taking all my my line with me because I had designed it myself 100%. So it was easy for me to just say, let's just cut our way. You go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. I'll take my designs with me. And so I already had the entire line mapped out and designed and ready for production. So it was really easy for me to put it into production that day.
0: That's great. So even though you already had all of these designs ready, most people that are looking to hire manufacturers still take a long time to find the right one to go get the samples and they just wait for the production run. But you did things Mm -hmm. very quickly. Can you talk to us about like your process for finding and working with manufacturers so that the other people can maybe execute as quickly as you?
1: Sure. Well, For one, it's a lot more difficult than you'd think to source product manufacturing, especially if you're sourcing in China, which we didn't do. We actually sourced in the U.S. for all of our paper. Um, So it was easier for us there. But um, when it comes to paper products, you really can't get samples because of the way that they're printed on a press. You kind of just have to take a leap of faith, Um, but you can get samples of other things that they've printed. But because I had already had experience in the industry and I knew which manufacturers were good manufacturers, um, I kind of already knew what I was looking for. So Mm -hmm. I would say, um, so I really don't have, it's hard for me to give really good advice in that area because I already had the experience. But I would say if you were looking for a manufacturer, if it's not paper, if it's, physical products like tools or something, um, order samples in larger batches. So don't just order one sample or a prototype. Order several, like a hundred. Um, because the quality, you can't see the quality in just one sample. You need to see the quality in several samples because um, it could change. So like, there's been times where we've ordered things and we've, you know, we got samples in and then we ordered, I don't know, 10,000 or something and they came in and half of them were bad. But we never would have known that because they only sent us a couple of the good samples. Mm. So my biggest advice is order samples in a larger quantity like in the hundreds or at least 20s so you can see what the quality is overall um, when they're somewhat mass-produced.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea because I guess if you're ordering a couple's sample, they'll just pick out the best quality ones and that's typically not representative of the entire or the quality of the entire uh, run that you're about to order. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, Cool. So once you got these products um, and how did you get those all sold out within the first week? Was it just all through YouTube or were there other kind of marketing channels that you uh, went after?
1: We actually, when we launched our independent brand that week, we Put out a statement on Facebook, and that was it. We didn't do any online marketing that week. All we did was sales calls to the stores that we knew carried our stuff before in um, our co brand. So, Garrett, thankfully, was my rock at that time, and he called all the stores that we had that we knew had carried our, our co brand products, and they were really. Um, supportive. So they, I mean, they picked it up right away. Like it was no issue at all. And um, that's pretty much how it happened. (laughs) That's how we sold out. Like we were not expecting to sell out that fast at all. And it was scary too to sell out that fast (laughs) because we had to reorder again. But um, that's all we did really was we just looked at, we knew who our stores were. Cause like I said, we were so heavy on social media. We knew them and they knew us and we had talked to, to them and promoted with them and helped market their stores. So it was easy for us to call on them and say, Hey, we're on our own now. Um, take a look at our catalog and let us know what you think. And, um, if you'd like to place an order, here's an order form. So it was, it was pretty easy. I was surprised. Um, I think we had that foundation already, so that helped us out a lot. It wasn't like we were just starting from scratch.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Just having that that. Uh, ex- I guess brand awareness already makes a lot of people just trust in whatever you do. So I think that that helped carry your lots, you know, when it comes to trying to get those sales in the early days or working with these retailers to get them to, you know, stock your products. It seemed like they said yes right away because they've already, you know, seen the work that you've been able to produce and also seen the kind of marketing that you've done for yourself. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Cool. So, in terms of the way that you do your promotions today, you know, looking at your social media numbers, you, know, you have YouTube at you know twenty two thousand subscribers, Instagram is nineteen thousand, Facebook seven thousand. Like what are what's your what's your uh, main area of focus today to drive traffic to your store?
1: Um, Instagram. We use Instagram a lot, or I use Instagram a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that. A huge percentage of our traffic comes from there. Well, yeah, no, it, a huge percentage of traffic does come from Instagram, but um, I just like Instagram. I don't know what it is. It's easy, it's fast. Um, but we, I kind of, when I post to Instagram, I'm also at the same time posting to Twitter and Facebook. Um, so my focus is kind of split up between those three. And I do it all at once because, you know, you can go on the app and just click Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. and they all go to the same area or the same or to the, to that social site, and they post to all three. And we also use Hootsuite um, to post to several of our pages, also. So I would say that that's the main part of our marketing, and most of my focus is on those three channels.
0: Right. So, what's your approach to producing content for, for um, Instagram? Do you, because obviously it's a lot different medium than uh, where you got your start on YouTube when it came to producing content for Instagram. What, what was your approach there?
1: Um, I really just you know would stage our products or set up our products in a appealing way and just take pictures and hashtag a lot. <laughs> um, so I really didn't don't have a strategy really. Sometimes I'm pos- even posting pictures of my personal life on there, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't have as many likes as the pretty <laughs> stuff that they're used to seeing, but. Um, I just take a lot of pictures. And I've learned this year, in the past few months, that people really do like you to post all day long. It's when I only post one picture a day that I notice we don't have as much interaction. But Mm -hmm. if I'm posting every few hours or if I over post one day, um, they love it. Like they love seeing that content. So that's one of the things that I've discovered is, you know, before I used to think, oh, I don't want to annoy anyone by posting more than one picture a day. Um, but then I found out that that's not true, actually. For not At least for us, it's not true. They actually really like it when you post a lot in a day. So yeah. we've stepped that up quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with, you know, produce, not necessarily overproducing, but produce more content than you might be comfortable with just because you, the people that do get annoyed and do drop off, I feel like they are never going to be your customers anyway, or at least maybe not for long. So you really want to just focus on how can you make the people that are your rabbit fans that are, you know, want to hear so much from you, want to get so much or you want to buy from you over and over again and just focus on, on them and kind of help. Not necessarily help them, but give them what they want, right? And if it's right. content, then give them all the content that they want. So this sounds like you're producing a ton of content, if you're, especially if you're staging uh, your, your products and everything. Do you have like a, a system set up to produce uh, content for Instagram?
1: Um, I have a table in front of a window.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Literally, yeah. Well, we have a studio set up at our warehouse, but what's hilarious is I never use it. I always go to my front office next to the window, and I just I have this grungy table, and that, and I and I and I, I set a planner on there, and I just take a picture with my iPhone, and it's really funny because Garrett, my husband, is so tech savvy. He's like, you don't even use this nice studio that we built for you. You just go to the front and take a snap within like two minutes and you're done. So um, I'm all about what's easy and efficient. Mm So yeah, I yeah. use a table in front of
0: the window. <laughs> you know, I, I totally agree with that. If it becomes too much work to just get started, or get set up, then you're going to not be as consistent as if you found some easier way to do it. So I, I'm a hundred percent with you on finding what's easy and just focusing on doing that. You want to reduce any kind of like traction or you want to reduce any kind of friction uh, that prevents you from producing the content. Um Cool. So, you know, we've spoken a few times about uh, Garrett and he was actually the way that I heard about you because he posted something, I think it was on Facebook about your subscription service that you guys have. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Like what is in the subscription box and, and how did you get started with it?
1: We so our subscription box is for planner products, um, and it's basically stuff to decorate your planner, like stickers and um, decorative tapes and custom inserts for the month, like a themed insert. That's what we have in our subscription box now. Um, and I actually decided to do a subscription box because our customers were asking for it. Um, long, long ago, we used to have a kit club for scrapbooking, and um, that did really, really well, but at that time it was. I was too busy and it was too much for me to handle at that time by myself. So when we released the planners, we were coming out with new products all the time. And um, sometimes they would sell out really fast. So we started having customers ask us, can you offer a subscription so that I could just subscribe and I'll be guaranteed to get the new stuff because um, I keep missing out on it or, you know, something, stuff like that. And we actually got a lot, a lot of requests. Like almost every time that we would post something on Periscope or Instagram, we would get a request for a subscription box. Um, so we started doing the subscription box um, and we use Shopify. We use uh, Bold for our Subscription and it's been really great. We've had a really good response. We're actually having to limit our growth on our subscription, on our monthly subscription, because it's kind of caught fire, and we have to be able to plan thirty days in advance for our kits. Um, so we're we've been limiting it every month, but we've been adding um, or allowing more people to subscribe every month. And we're right now we're gaining anywhere between about fifty to a hundred new subscribers per month.
0: Well, wow, that's awesome. And I, I think I think this works really well for you because, you, again, you have like raving fans and a lot of, it sounds at least to me from the outside that you have a lot of repeat customers who are buying from you over and over again and not just, you know, dropping in and buying once. What do you think is the key to getting this kind of, um, I guess, behavior, I guess, out of customers where they want to buy from you over and over again?
1: Um, I think it's just really just keeping things fresh and trying to stay up on the trends. Um, you kind of... I pay a lot of attention to what's coming out in the fashion industry because it usually, like those patterns and those um, iconic elements sort of transition over into stationery and, you know, the scrapbooking side of things and the planner side of things. So it's really just coming out with new stuff. Um, And our demographic now is so different from what it was before because now we are catering to sort of the shopaholics and um, the younger crowd that is more willing to spend money on finer things or fancier things. And so they really just like having something new every month. And I, I kind of get it. Um, I'm not a big shopper myself, but I totally get wanting to freshen things up every month. And um, that's, that's really what it is. That's why they keep coming back and why they're so loyal is because they know that we're going to have something new come out often and they always want what's new.
0: Mhm so when you came out with this subscription box, uh, you, know, you know obviously there were already a bunch of people that were asking for you to do something like this but were you able or were you did you have other plans on how you would promote the subscription service and and what were they
1: um we didn't really have a big plan on how we were going to promote it because and we don't promote it very often so i don't know if you go on my social media sites we don't even have a youtube video on our subscription um because right now our we had such a huge response in the very beginning and word of mouth was such a big deal like people were sharing their boxes on instagram or um on facebook and so we never really had to do a whole lot of promotion on it which is odd now that i think about it um and because it's so limited now, because we can only take on take so many new subscriptions per month, um, we haven't gotten to the point where it slowed down enough to where we needed to up our our marketing on the subscription. Mm-hmm. Club. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess maybe the problem that you have today, which is a good problem, is the how do you systematize it and and optimize? I guess the process of running a subscription service because it's a totally different, um, at least for me, the way that I, things I've heard about is it, totally different uh, supply chain. I guess that you have to set up for your kind of one-off sales that you have on your site versus a box that you have to create every month. Can you talk to us about how you guys walk through this? Like, how do you plan out uh, a box, and how does it all kind? To get shipped out to the customer?
1: Sure. It's, well, right now, it's actually a lot more difficult than it was because now we have more subscribers. So if we're bringing in products from other manufacturers, we have to make sure that they have enough in stock. And a lot of the times, they don't have enough in stock for us to fill our subscription kit. And as you know, every kit has to be exactly the same. So everyone has to get the same things in their kit. So we actually, we're our own manufacturer now. We own our own presses. So we manufacture most of our product in-house, at least about 95%. So we are literally manufacturing all of our product that goes into our kits. And then um, we'll have a few items from other companies in there just to keep it fresh. Um, But we have to do a lot of research, and we have to plan about 60 days in advance what's going to go into a certain month's kit. So we call and we make sure that they have it in stock and we'll order it ahead of time and get it in. Um, and then we start the manufacturing process on the stuff that we're making to put in the kits too. So it's easier for us than most because we're producing it in-house.
0: Mm. So are you just packing it yourself or do you guys have um, uh, do you, do you have a way to outsource this kind of uh, packing of the boxes?
1: We do everything in-house. So we have our own team here um, in our shipping department and they all pack the kits together. That's awesome. So we box them and pack them and label them and ship them out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys have grown like so fast just from starting selling out within the first weeks and now running your own subscription service. So if you're comfortable sharing with us, you know, tell us how successful is the business today?
1: Our business is incredibly successful. We are now in the six figures per month. We've grown steadily um, in the past. We're in our third year now. We were profiting in our first year. And so, we've grown a lot. Um, This year, we're projected to have our best year yet. Well, I mean, we've only been in business for three years, but last year was our best year yet. This year, it's going to be even better. We're looking at possibly quadrupling our sales this year, um, and we're on trend to meet that goal so far. So, we're really excited about what's going to happen this year. And we've got partnerships coming up and some mergers that we're really excited about, so that could kick it up even further than we thought. Um, so we're doing really well. We're, oh my gosh, it's been such a blessing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So how, what do you, I guess, attribute that kind of growth to like, you know, six figures a month and now you're saying it's going to grow even faster. Is there any key things that you're doing to make that jump from where you are today to where you think you're going to be?
1: Um, really, I think it's just reinvesting into our company. Um, from the very beginning, You know, we weren't paying ourselves (laughs) for a long time. We were just, you know, paying ourselves what we needed to cover our bills, and that was it. Um, And so we've consistently always invested back into our company. We have zero debt. We own everything outright, and so we've consistently just reinvested. And I think um, last year we bought two presses— um, so that we could produce our own paper products. And that has been a huge game changer for us because we were having such an issue with... Um outsourcing our print jobs because our printers weren't able to keep up with us. And we actually had to have three different printers at one time producing just our scrapbook paper, which is only a small part of our business. Um, So when we finally um, decided that, okay, we need to bring this in-house so that we can keep up with the demand, I think it was the best decision that we ever made. It was the most money that we had ever spent. Um, Crazy. But it was it's really what has changed our business I think. And I think our following also loves the idea of our products being made in the United States on top of all of that. So um, that's been a huge game changer for us. That's what's, bit that's what's helped us grow so much is just being able to supply the demand
0: yeah so I want to go back to YouTube for a second just because I feel like all these amazing things that have happened for you you really helped kick it kick it off just by having that powerful presence on YouTube so if someone out there uh, that has a brand that's started thinking about starting a company and they want to start a YouTube channel is it do you feel like it's too saturated today or do you think you still get traction if you're starting from you know zero subscribers on YouTube today
1: I think it's harder now. It would be harder now to start. Um, But I don't think it's significantly harder because now there's all these free tools and all these new social media sites where you can forward traffic to your YouTube now. I didn't have any of that back then. Like I didn't have Instagram and I was barely on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got in at the right time. But I would say... You know, I think YouTube's always a good idea. I think people really love going to YouTube for information, and I think the best way to get your name out there on YouTube is providing free content and giving Mm -hmm. something of value to your viewers, Um, whether you're teaching them how to do something or you're, um, you're, you know, I I guess that's it. I guess you would just have to give them some kind of content that would be valuable to them. Um, and teaching them how to do things or, sh- or just, you know, giving them some inspiration, some artful inspiration. I think that's a great way to get more followers and to, to kind of g- gain traction on YouTube right now.
0: Yeah, the way that I've always kind of talked about it was that you want to become your customer, your audience. You want to become their trusted advisor. You want to be the person that they look to to learn things or to understand how to do something. And you're, in your example, you had a lot of tutorials on how to how to do things. So people have that built-in trust for you. And that really carries over to all your other platforms, whether it means um, on Instagram or Facebook. And eventually, of course, your store as well. That kind of trust that you've built on one platform carries over because people you know, understand it's all tied together. Right, yeah, so I totally think that uh, video is a great medium for people to go after. I think Facebook video is also something that's becoming more and more popular. Facebook's pushing it more and more uh, more uh, than than ever before, so that's also another kind of medium for people to go oh, after yeah,
1: definitely and my the best advice I could give for people who are gonna do videos is post your video to YouTube and then p- upload a separate video to Facebook. Mm-hmm. so don't post your YouTube video to Facebook, upload your own a separate video to Facebook the same same video, just you're uploading it through Facebook and then you're uploading it through YouTube. And that's what we do and it's been incredibly, success- it's been really successful for us.
0: Right. Yeah, I have my hunches on why you would want to do that, but can you explain why you think that that's uh, an important uh, way to do it rather than just pasting the link from YouTube directly?
1: Well, because Facebook limited- limits your reach <laughs> when
0: you're using uh-huh. a
1: YouTube link as opposed to uploading it directly to Facebook. So that's the main reason.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly it is that, they, and also there's cool um, tools too on on Facebook Video where if you post multiple videos, uh, they kind of create a playlist for you, especially on mobile. If you watch one video, it recommends another video that is from the same person. I think if you're sharing right. a YouTube link, it does not do that. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah, big fan of um, anybody that's getting on Facebook Video uh, today. Cool. So, um, what, what's in store for, for this year? Cause I know that you have a lot of plans, a lot of, you know, goals that you want to hit. Uh, what do you think is, um, kind of the main things that you want to be able to accomplish this year?
1: Um, well, I definitely want to grow. We all, I always want to grow our business and um, we have some partnerships coming up, um, that we're really excited about. It's going to sort of relieve some of the manufacturing that we're doing in house. Um, I can't really talk too much about that, but we're really excited because one of the companies that we are partnering with is a huge, huge corporation. Um, So we're really excited about that. We're also um, looking into getting into big box chains. We've had a lot of interest from some of the biggest box box chains in our industry, and we're finally just now kind of communicating to them better Um, before we weren't ready to get into big box chains because it's such a high amount of inventory that you have to supply them with Mm -hmm. um, at such a, a, a big discount. But now we are at that stage in our business where now that's feasible. So um, we've had a lot of in- interest this year from big box chains and we are working on getting into some of them and of course we're going to control that growth so we're not going to get too crazy right off the bat but it's something that I think our customers can look forward to this year.
0: Mm-hmm. So in terms of running the business itself, like, what is your day-to-day like? Do you, do you rely on the like, apps or tools to help you run the business?
1: Yes. Obvi- I mean, so many. Of course, you know, your so- our social media apps that we have on our our phones. But we use um, a lot of the Shopify um, compatible apps. Like um, we use ShipStation. Oh, my gosh. Love ShipStation. Gmail is huge for us. We do all of our emailing from through Gmail. And um, we use several of their tools, like their Google Drive and things like that. Zendesk. We use that a lot for our ticket system Um bold we use we use all of their apps for the most part yeah um, so yeah those are I would say the top ones that we really like
0: awesome so you know thanks so much for coming on Marian so MarionSmithdesigns.com is the store anywhere else you recommend the listeners check out they want to follow along with the, what you guys are doing
1: um, we're also on Instagram Marian Smith on Instagram and we're on Facebook and recently Periscope we're obsessed with Periscope so we're on Periscope quite a bit too
0: awesome thanks so much Marion Thank you. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.